You're listening to Blue Collar CEO, the podcast that's all about helping you build a better, more profitable, and more sustainable home service business. Each week, we will cover a different topic that'll help you enable your company to move forward to success. And here's your host, Ryan Redding. What? is up blue collar ceos it's ryan it is great to be with you today coming at you with a conversation that i uh think so few people have that really should happen more in this space there's a whole lot of people talking about marketing and finances and all these things we're going to be talking about culture and culture is arguably one of the most important aspects of your business and paul olson has had his mission for the past couple of years to transform the culture of his company in austin texas let's learn more about this let's go all right, Paul, uh, it is so glad to have you on. We tried to do this like several weeks ago. We had technical issues, uh, but I'm glad that they're resolved because I've been looking forward to this conversation. But Paul, for those who don't know who you are or what you do, I guess let's start there. Who are you? What do you do? Yeah. I'm, well, first of all, thanks for having me on, Ryan. I'm the uh, general manager over at First Home and Commercial Services here in Austin, Texas. Uh, we're, I would say, a little bit on the smaller side of uh, home service companies, at least in our market. I mean, I feel like we're doing pretty good and we have great growth. Um, when I came on in 2020 uh, during COVID, I, I met uh, Robin, the managing partner owner, and uh, we shared a vision. And that vision was four people. And so it's a culture-driven uh, company, the way First Home sits now, which is quite a bit different than anywhere else I, I worked before. Yeah, and I'm, I kind of want to go into that a little bit because most people, I think, uh, w- most people in the street, if they're thinking about a home service company, plumbing, HVAC, electrical, uh, pest control, doesn't matter, they might not think about these sort of industries as like culture-driven industries. So I'm... I'm interested that you use that phrase. What does being culture driven mean mean for you and first home? Man, that's a great question. And, and I'm glad you asked because we're really, really proud of what we're doing over here. So people first is kind of our mantra and our motto. Uh, we do it all the way through and through uh, from the bottom to the top, meaning uh, we are looking at, you know, what training modules we can get our guys and what they want. What's the feedback? Hey, guys, if I'm going to send you guys off to a training, what do you be? What do you want to learn? What do you want to be certified in? Those kinds of things. Um, we invest in technology based on the what we're getting out of the field. Like, hey, man, I want to do pipelining. OK, well, let's go look into what that is. And uh, we started doing that this year. Uh, we're about to open a drain division separate from our plumbing division because that's what our technicians want to do. They're like, hey, we want to do this separately because that's where their heart is. So we're going to go that direction. Um, So it's pretty interesting. Uh, I can go into it more if you'd like, for sure. Because I kind of want to, because I think a lot of people, um, I hear a lot of guys who who have shops of all sizes. I know you you say, hey, we're kind of on the smaller side in Austin. Um, I know size is relative and I'm not in the chest thumping game. Um, But the point is, I think... um, most people complain about the workforce. Either they can't have enough people or the people they have suck and they're terrified they're going to lose them. But it seems like the way you're framing that entire relationship is uh, is different than a lot of people that I talk to. So yeah, I would love for you to talk more about about what that reframing looks like practically. Because like, obviously you mentioned training, but like, in what other ways uh, does this shift your focus to putting people first? 
Oh, so I mean, I mean, that's really it's my favorite thing to talk about. So our guys over here, I mean, we're running like I think we're running 16 trucks right now. I've got uh, two more plumbers and another HVAC person uh, that want to come on and I, and I don't have vehicles for them to drive. And that's a good problem to have. And most companies in my market are hiring two or three positions and they can't find the guys to fill them. And this is like for me, it's a dream come true because I I've always wanted to be in a position where I can drive a business and not worry about getting the guys for the vans and actually being able to pick the right people. So we are a team first kind of company. Everybody on this, everybody works together. We we're touching base with each other daily. Um, I've got my plumbers calling other plumbers, checking if they need something. Hey, I'm over here. I, I saw that we're in the same area. Do you need any parts? Do you need any tools, any help? Uh, all of our guys are, are paid hourly. Um, and so we are not a high commission sale thing. Uh, I want them to spend time with their customers building a rapport and a relationship. I want them to answer their customers questions and I want them to give, uh, options based on what those company, like those customers needs are not on what they want to sell them. Um, because I believe that if we put the people first and not just our employees, but our customers, then it will drive our business for us. And, and it's working. How do you teach people that? Because what you're describing, uh, it sounds made up. It sounds like there's unicorns <laughs> running around your shop, like pooping out rainbows and sparkles. Because like, look, everyone dreams of having a culture where everyone helps together. Everyone's collaborative. Uh, egos aren't running the show. Uh, like, Everyone wants that, and especially to do it in an hourly sort of environment and not like incentivizing people to like take whatever's in their financial best interest. How on earth do you create a team dynamic uh, where people want to help each other um, without like these like unintended consequences? I need to see that these unicorns are not, in fact, like fake unicorns. Yeah, no, that's I, I personally believe that it starts at the top. And so you mentioned ego and it really starts with our management team uh, checking their own ego at the door. So everybody knows uh, we had, well, everybody in Austin and Texas knows we had the snowmageddon where we had a big freeze. We had lots of days where we didn't have, you know, any power or water um, people were without. Um, I put my tool belt on and I went out there and ran calls with the guys. Um, I was out there on the weekends, working nights, doing the running the calls. And that made a big difference to our guys. They saw that, hey, a lot of companies, their management team were going home at four or five o'clock and running their guys till midnight. And I'm not here to dog on anybody. If that's your business model, I mean, I really hope you're being successful. But at the same time, if you're willing to jump out there and and help the guys, even if it's simple, like, I mean, I'll run to a call and help a guy get an air handler into an attic or a water heater into an attic. If that's what it takes to get the job done, everybody from the top down jumps in and it really starts to kind of take on its own life force. I mean, these the, the culture... I'll tell you that it isn't easy to find people that fit that. So if a guy starts and they don't want to be part of the culture and they're self-driven, um, they don't last a whole lot of time with us because, I mean, the rest of the team, they don't want them on their jobs. They don't they don't want to talk to them at the shop. They, they'll come to their, their manager and they'll go like, ah, you know, 
that guy, is, I just don't want to work with him. He's not a team player um, or he has nefarious sales practices. And so it's almost self-managing. Now, scaling this is going to be actually the the tough part. So we, we've, we've doubled from last year um, and in our staffing and our trucks and in our revenue. Um, and so going forward to next year, we actually had a long meeting about that this morning where the, you know, where the top management team were talking and we were going, how are we going to manage a growth that I'm projecting that we will grow about 80% over from, and how can we manage the culture? And my answer to that is, you know, if we have the right people uh, recruiting for us in the supply houses and recruiting their buddies to come work here, they're not going to recruit the guy they don't want to work with. They're going to recruit the, the people that we want and and so far it's working now going 80 percent as a small company that's pretty simple you you know this ryan i mean it's easy to make like large jumps when you're doing three million uh it's a lot harder to make large jumps when you're doing 20. (laughs) so you know right that kind of thing what has been maybe one of the most difficult uh things to do coming in from the outside and by the way i mean coming in during 2020 Huh. One could make an argument like that's one of the worst times to drop in, but also because of the chaos and uncertainty, it also makes a really good window to kind of sneak in, right? Because now you can come in, you can get the lay of the land, you can make your plan of action, and everyone's focused on all the chaos outside. They're not like pointing fingers at you. But like, what has been some of the most difficult or most surprising parts about some of the changes you've had to make? And especially as it relates to like transition people who were there before you to what, who are still there, like that sort of like culture shift part. Yeah. I will say that the hardest part of that is actually, you know, shifting mindsets. And unfortunately when you're doing that, there are some people that just, they don't want to buy in. They don't want to believe that the company can be more than it is. They don't want to believe that they can be more than they are. Um, and unfortunately that leads to some people, you know, having to turn over, my goal when I came in was to was to be the new manager that doesn't turn over any employees. I failed miserably at that, by the way. Um, we we turned over uh, a good a good bit of them. However, the guys and uh, girls that stuck around. Sorry, from New Jersey, I always say guys to everything. No, you're good. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. All the people that decided to stick around and and actually you know listen and and invest themselves into first home. Um, they've really, they are actually the bigger drivers of our culture than anybody. Cause they were here when it, when it really wasn't that type of company. Um, and the owner, uh, Robin Wurzel was really pushing hard to, to drive it that way, but she was having a hard time finding management that really thought the way she did. And so those guys, they, they're, they're really the big cult. They're the ones that are the first ones to go to a manager and go, Hey, look, by the way, this person doesn't fit first home. They're not the right person. We want them out. Um, it, it's it's good to have solid people that have been here for a long time. I mean, we, our company isn't the oldest company around. We were started in 2009, uh, but it, it's, I think the longest tenured employee we have right now is about they think four or five years. So they've seen it. For... Are there certain like techniques or tactics that you've done in like helping to prioritize these decisions? Like, like coming in from the outside, like you probably have a lot of ideas. You probably like, oh, this is something we got to fix yesterday. But then you might have some other ideas that are just like floating around. Like, wouldn't it be cool if, like, how do you go about prioritizing 
what you focus on first? So that's a, for me, that was an experience thing. I, I came from uh, much larger companies and uh, I've done multiple roles from HVAC to plumbing. It was coming in and going, these are the, these are the issues that we're having as a company. And just, I mean, I hate to say there was a lot of low hanging fruit, a lot of quick changes to get us uh, riding the ship, so to speak. But I started immediately just taking down notes and I have notepads that just have all these wild ideas like, oh, I want to try this. Oh, I want to try that. Um, and the fun thing that we're at now at first for me is I've got a management team now in place under me and they're running a lot more of the day-to-day operations and I'm getting to work more on the business. And so I'm getting into those notes and going, yeah, that was a, that was a harebrained idea. We're not going to do that, but Hey, this is really cool. Let's take a look at it and let's all talk about it. And that's like, we just launched our, uh, a competition here. Uh, doing it a little bit different than other companies that I've worked at before. And we are really driving. These guys are are driving it themselves. We have team captains um, and they're talking to their people. How many tickets did we earn today for our team? How are we going to win these prizes? Um, and we invested about thirty five hundred dollars in prizes. Really? Because here we are going into the shoulder season. Right. And we're slowing down. How are we going to keep that board full? Who, who's better to do that than my technicians in the field? And how am I going to motivate them to do that? And putting something together where they all work together as a team uh, to try to achieve a win. Uh, man, but that was just, this is just stuff that, you know, some of it's fallen in my lap through training and some of it has been stuff that, you know, I've been working on for a long time and just never got to put into implementation. So what other things do you do to incentivize? Because everything I've I've heard and seen about organizations that foster really good team performance is that you incentivize the team. You don't incentivize individuals necessarily. It's the team shares a scoreboard, just like a basketball team would or a football team would, right? Uh, there is there is no quarterback on earth who would be proud of themselves with how many touchdown passes that they threw if their team lost at the end of the game, right? They still hang their head like because the team shares that loss. What other things do you do to incentivize like the team performance so that they all kind of work together like that? Well, I'm going to say that at this point we have we're we've been working through a bonus structure that we're going to put together. That's not going to happen until 2023. And so the incentive is what we've been doing here and I I feel like it's it almost sounds kind of cheesy, but we we do the little things for the guys. It's like, "Hey, you know, these are our this is our monthly goal and uh like Go back to August. We had the largest month in company history. Uh, we wanted to crack four hundred thousand dollars. I mean, we were so close. And the and the service manager in the plumbing department he he sent out a message to the entire the entire company and said, "Hey, this is the last day of the month. We need X amount of revenue to hit our goal. And if we hit that, then I am going to make steak for every single person here." And we hit it. And then we went out and we bought the steak and we brought the grill That's in awesome. and he grilled everybody a lunch on a Thursday afternoon. And we, we pulled the guys out of the field for two hours. Um, they all got a, a great meal and we paid them for that time. Like, hey, you earned it. You went out and you got it. And those are the little things that we're doing. I think that I've never had happen at any other company I work for. Hey, guys, we want to get this goal. So go get it. I'll give you 50 bucks. You know what? That steak meal that we had and that time that everybody got to spend together, it built the camaraderie. And I think most of the guys would have chosen that over over a $25 or $50 gift card to say, hey, thanks for doing a good job. However, right now we are working on a 
a financial incentive program for the guys uh, as a, for the team as a whole, uh, because it is it is part of that growth structure. Yeah. And you, you say that and you kind of glossed over it. But I think most people are surprised to find out that many people that currently work for you are not driven by profit. They don't have the profit as their primary motive. And that's totally fine. But some people, it's like they want a parking spot. Some people, they want like a day off a month. Like there's these other weird, very, very inexpensive ways to incentivize engagement that doesn't have to do with throwing around Benjamins uh, to kind of, you know, get people excited. It's crazy. Yeah, no, you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, it's not always about the money. Um, People enjoy, you know, being uh, uh, taken care of or, you know, whatever the right words are here. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> fumbling on that, but they, they, they just want to know that you feel like they belong, yeah, you know, yeah, that they're at the right company. That this is the right people that they have the right members on their own team. And that's our goal in our daily activities. Like we reach out to our guys. Um, our managers reach their guys daily. They talk to all of their guys every single day. So like the plumbing manager will call his guys individually um, not at a pre-scheduled time, but he has a list and he, if he doesn't talk to them every, by the end of that day, that guy's now first on his list the next day, just to see how his day's going, just to see, you know, does he have any concerns over his schedule? Is there anything like this? Did he have enough sleep last night? Is he going to be able to perform uh, to the level that he wants to? And it's how it's part of that first home culture, right? So we yeah. are calling, we are caring, we are asking, and then that just builds on itself. They know that we care. So if they are having a rough day, it's like, hey, you know what we're going to do? Those last two calls, I'm going to get those bumped. I'm going to talk to, you know, I'm going to talk to this guy over here, that guy over there. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and run them. And that's that's what we do. Uh, and that's our goal is to stay that way no matter how big we get. I'm a firm believer that not no one person should have more than five reports. So that means my plumbing manager, he's got his people and then he's got a plumbing supervisor that falls under him that then picks up some other people. Um, and the same thing on the HVAC side and on the electrical side. So they actually can always reach one of those five guys and then call the next one and the next one. And it, it, it lets everybody know that we actually care. If somebody's listening right now and they hear what you're saying and maybe they're feeling like I did a few minutes ago of like, this sounds mystical and magical and they would love a team like that. Are there two or three areas that you would encourage most people to start looking at or thinking about if they want to start creating a culture like this within their own business? I would. um, My first recommendation is to look at your team. And say, out of everybody I have on my team, whether you have a staff of five people or 500 people, I want to pick one or two people that I literally, if I had to start this company over again, those would be the two people I'd pick to build my company culture. And I would get them in a room and I would chat with them about the ways that we could expand their their view of the company and why they look at it the way they do and use that to start shifting, right? So from the inside out, um, from a managerial side, it's really hard to to dictate culture. It's better to have a leader that's showing the culture, right? And 
field leaders are often the easiest ones that can get that inroad. So that'd be the number one thing that I would do. Number two is live it every day. If you want to have a culture of caring, then you have to start caring, which means you have to carve out the time to start checking on your people, start listening. Uh, when we do our one-on-ones, we don't do one-on-ones based on coaching or what they performed at that, that week. We do that one-on-one based on how was your day, man? Hey, did you catch that game on Sunday? Hey, are you in, like, if they're a NASCAR fan, talking about the race, whatever is important to that guy, that, that girl, that's what we're talking about in our one-on-one, showing them that we care about them as a person far beyond what they're doing for us at work. Ooh, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. If somebody wanted to maybe talk to you, Paul, like reach out to you, pick your brain about maybe some ideas they're thinking about, how might somebody reach out to you to learn more about what you're doing and just kind of see if your ideas can't percolate over to help what they're working on? Um, yeah, that's a, they can reach me. Um, so my email is Paul at first home and first HCS. So it's the number one S T HCS.com. That's, that's probably the quickest way. Um, you could also look me up on Facebook. Uh, Paul Olson, I'm the guy that's in the hockey photo. Um, not too many hockey players out there in Austin. So I'm a rarity down here. Um, so those are probably the easiest ways you can, you can call me at my shop, 512-282-7782. I'm open to talk culture with anybody at any time. And if you've got great ideas you want to share with us that you're doing, man, I'd love to hear that just as much as me sharing what we're doing, because there's always a way that we can get better. Yeah, that's awesome. We'll make sure that all your contact info is in the show notes. And dude, I am I'm super happy and proud of the work that you're doing because it's something that so many shops need and so few even know to pay attention to it. And I love that you guys are doing it. It sounds like exceptionally well. Paul, thank you for your time. I know you're busy. Keep rocking it, man. You're doing great stuff. Yeah, thank you, Ryan. You bet. This episode was hosted by Ryan Redding, author of the book on digital marketing for plumbing and HVAC contractors. This show also includes much help from Shelby Nichols. You can subscribe to Blue Collar CEO on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us online at bluecollar.ceo and find us on Instagram. Also, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. 